welcome to This is the Author, where authors talk about narrating their audiobooks. In this episode, meet journalist Alex Halberstadt, author Esther Safran Foer, and poet Carolyn Forche. Each of these authors has written about their search for hidden family histories in the context of world-altering historical events. Listen in and hear what it was like for them to read their audiobooks. Plus, find out whose recording session required them to pronounce words in at least eight languages. Enjoy. Hi, this is Alex Halberstadt, author of Young Heroes of the Soviet Union. I wrote Young Heroes of the Soviet Union because I wanted to tell a version of the Soviet Union's history. I also wanted to tell the story of my family and find that history always comes to life most effectively when it's told through personal stories. I think every nonfiction book works best when it begins with a question that the author genuinely wants to find out for themselves. For me, that question was about the relationship between personal history and collective history. I wanted to understand how my family was shaped by the larger events that happened around us in the Soviet Union. At the beginning of the book, I traveled to Ukraine to meet my grandfather, my father's father, who was most likely Stalin's last living bodyguard. He had always been something of a mystery in my family. And after I found him, I began to realize that much about our family was not determined by the people in my family, but by the historical events that they had lived through. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would probably be difficult. In recording this book, I gave myself the impossible task of trying to pronounce words in Russian, Hebrew, Yiddish, German, Italian, Latin, some French, that's seven, English counts, eight languages, yeah, that was pretty difficult. If I wasn't going to record my audiobook, I would probably cast Michael Caine. Everything he says sounds just amazing. The last audiobook that I listened to and loved, actually, I've never listened to an audiobook. I tried listening to a magazine article in The New Yorker, and I just couldn't do it. I find that listening to books and magazine article makes me incredibly impatient because I can read a little bit faster. And now listen to a clip from the audiobook. Sheremetyevo Airport, a linoleum labyrinth lit dimly by fluorescence, was watched over by soldiers barely out of their teens who leaned languidly against the walls, assault rifles slung over their shoulders. I waited beside a church group from Michigan, half a dozen families in pristine white sneakers who joked heartily with one another as though they were waiting out a lull at the Department of Motor Vehicles back home. Just then, their American sense of inviolability reassured me. Hi, this is Esther Four, and I'm the author of I Want You to Know We're Still Here. I wrote this book for my ancestors and for my descendants. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook, terrifying! While it was hard to read the book, it was also hard to record the audiobook, to look at the words that I had written and read them out loud. And somehow reading them out loud brought new emotion to the printed word. 
Well, there are lots of words I didn't know how to pronounce. The part of the world my family came from continually changed hands, and the occupying power would change the names of the shtetls. And while I was able to look them up and find the names at different times, there was no way that I could figure out how to pronounce them. I'm really proud to have completed the book. I wasn't sure that I could ever do it. And now that I've done it and I've read other books that have inspired me, I'm excited to share the book with listeners and readers and hope that it will inspire them to look into their own family history, to talk to their families and capture as many of the stories and memories as they can. God, who's my dream narrator? I would almost love to be sitting here with my grandchildren and having them read the book out loud and be the narrators. I mean, Meryl Streep would be great if she plays me on screen, but what can I do? I listen to audiobooks in the car with my husband. We often are traveling back and forth to New York and to Boston to see family, and that's the place where we listen to audiobooks. But I have to confess, we listen to the books that he's interested in because he's the primary driver, but I do enjoy hearing them. And now listen to a clip from the audiobook. One morning in early July 1941, as Nazi parachutes rained down from the sky, as people froze and watched, or raced home to barricade themselves inside, or collected their families and prepared to hide, my mother decided to flee. But first, she ran back along the dirt road to her house to grab a pair of scissors, a few items of clothing, and her winter coat. In my imagination, it was a beautiful, temperate summer day, but she nevertheless thought to take her winter coat, along with the scissors and a change of clothes. Her own mother stood by and watched in silence. They parted without saying goodbye. My mother's younger sister, 17-year-old Pesha, ran after her, chasing her down the dirt road that led from their small wooden house to the main street of Kolki. You are so lucky to be leaving, Pesha said, as she took off her shoes and gave them to my mother so she would have an extra pair. Pesha then turned and walked home barefoot along the same dirt road. My mother almost immediately lost one of the shoes. Hi, this is Carolyn Forche. I wrote In the Lateness of the World over a period of 17 years, so it's a collection of poems that sort of navigates that period through a series of journeys so that many different countries actually appear, although they're not named, I wrote about my friend, the poet Ilya Kaminsky. We made a journey to Odessa, Ukraine, and St. Petersburg, Russia in 2004. Uh, there are also poems dedicated to the late Daniel Simcoe, a poet from Slovakia whose family was from a village very close to my own. Daniel Simcoe was a secret poet who worked as a librarian in the New York Public Library. And those poems are elegies, actually. There are a great number of elegies in the book to people and places that are now gone. So there's a tone, an elegiac tone, I would say. And so I think the book is inspired by remembrance and the need to hold those we have lost present in our lives. 
During the time I was writing In the Lateness of the World, I was also writing my prose memoir, What You Have Heard is True. And so some of my remembrance entered prose and some entered poetry. I was in a discipline of remembering at that time because I had to relive and recreate on the page a period of two years that are now 40 years in the past. So I would say that memory is the subject of both books in a certain sense. Reading poetry and reading prose are two very different experiences, I think, for me. I'm more comfortable reading poetry because I really love the music of the language that happens in the poem, and I like the rhythmic pace and the all of that symphony of sound that comes about through alliteration and assonance and consonance. And prose has that too, but it's softer and more diffuse. And I had to learn to read prose aloud just as I had to learn to write it. This was my first prose memoir, What You Have Heard is True. So, you know, the process of recording is a wonderful one. I love hearing the language, hearing it aloud, and the liveliness of the language, and to know that there's a reader listening to it rather than reading it. So I feel like I'm speaking out into the universe of readers that may be in the quiet and privacy of their own rooms and their own cars and wherever else in their own walks that they are actually hearing my voice. And so thank you for that. Thank you for listening. Despite that this book is somewhat elegiac, I would say that the experience of recording it was uplifting because I began to see all of the repetitions, all of the echoes in the book and the way that everything is connected. The images come and return years later and return in another place. I noticed this for the first time. I think when you read the whole book aloud, which you never do on a stage, suddenly you hear things you never heard before. I noticed all of the clouds and all of the movements of clouds and the Polaroid of clouds, and I began to hear echoes, and it felt as if then my life and my mind were in fact of a piece, you know, that it was a whole, that it was an artistic whole that had been realized in a single life, and that's very gratifying. I live in England as well as in the United States, and when I was reading it the first time, I said advertisements, and then I remembered I was in the United States, so I changed it to advertisements. And we also had the issue with the pronunciation of Bertolt Brecht, which is in America, Brecht, and in Germany, Brecht. So we had a little issue about that. And then I realized that, of course, I have some French epigraphs by Hane Schell, and Suddenly, to my shock and horror, I realized that I actually had to read in French <laughs> on a recording. So, you know, there were little moments when I had a slight panic <laughs> in my heart about what the next phrase or the next word that was coming. What helped me with the panic was reading through the phrase or the word. And then also, it's a kind of a collective endeavor, this recording, because there are other people listening there's a sound engineer and a director, and so I felt really happy that I had other people able to sort out with me how some things were pronounced, and that was very nice. It was wonderful to work with others and to have a direction, to have suggestions about how to read a particular line that wouldn't have occurred to me to read them that way. It was really interesting to be directed almost as if an actor would be. 
I'm hoping that they'll hear how the poems are connected, the places are connected. You know, the tone, the grieving, the mourning, the uplifting, that all of that moves throughout the book. I'm hoping that it reads as a full, whole work, and also individual poems, but I'm hoping there are little bridges between the poems. And now, listen to a clip. Museum of Stones These are your stones, assembled in matchbox and tin, collected from roadside, culvert, and viaduct, battlefield, threshing floor, basilica, abattoir. Stones loosened by tanks in the streets, from a city whose earliest map was drawn in ink on linen, schoolyard stones in the hand of a corpse, pebble from Baudelaire's oui, stone of the mind within us, carried from one silence to another, stone of Cramlech and Cairn, schist and shale, hornblende, agate, marble, millstones, ruins of choirs and shipyards, chalk, marl, mudstone from temples and tombs, stone from the silvery grass near the scaffold. This is the Author is a production of Penguin Random House Audio. Thank you for listening. For more behind-the-mic content and audiobook recommendations, visit www.penguinrandomhouseaudio.com slash next listen.